You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everybody? RJ Ochoa here from SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. Hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and we trust that you are rather upset because it has been about a week since free agency began in the NFL and the Dallas Cowboys have done Well, they've done some things, uh, to be very clear, but clearly not enough in the minds of many. It is a Tuesday afternoon today, Tuesday, March 22nd, 2022. We've been putting together uh, some daily recaps as far as free agency is concerned. We're now pivoting to uh, some other things that we're doing, starting with our roundtable. We do this every Tuesday afternoon, as mentioned, myself and the fine people from Blogging the Boys. And joining me tonight, we have Tom Ryle, who you can hear every Thursday on the Blogging the Boys podcast network, Riled Up. You can read him on the pages at bloggingtheboys.com. And gracing Tom and I with his presence. The newest member of the Blog and the Boys podcast now. You can hear him on Fridays on the Star Seminar with Danny Phantom. Uh, but maybe the OGest OG that there is in the Blog and the Boys universe, the great, the incomparable, the handsome Rabble Rouser. Rabble, thank you so much for joining Tom and I today. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks, guys. Are you really? Uh, you know, you you are one of the more <laughs> level-headed people uh, when it comes to talking about covering, however you want to put it, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but I feel like this offseason is testing even the most reserved of Cowboys fans. See, I'm hearing a lot about this offseason being worse than others, and I I I just don't, I frankly just don't feel that way. It feels like they're just doing what they always do every offseason, right? Um, I used to write a lot of articles about. Uh, following the money. And if you follow the money and if you looked, you know, let's say, let's say in November, you looked at contracts and said, okay, whose whose contracts are looking a little bit big for their production. I think you could have predicted the guys who are no longer with the team. I I don't find any of this particularly surprising or, or unpredictable. The one thing that's a blip on that is the, you know, the sort of snafu around Randy Gregory. And I think that that's really disappointing. I'm, and I'm really disappointed in all parties involved. So I might say I'm, I'm a tad miffed about that. But overall, I feel like this is the way the Cowboys conduct business. I think there's a lot of reason why it makes, it makes sense, even though it doesn't make fans happy. And so, um, frankly, as someone who's been following this team since the mid-70s, I've, I remember the days in which they did the opposite. And those days were not pretty. Uh, Tom, Rabble has a great point that any, anyone who is surprised by what is happening clearly hasn't been viewing bloggingtheboys.com. Again, Rabble, uh, one of the people who, who laid, the, laid the foundation. Rabble was in there laying the cement and smoothing the bricks over uh, with Dave Halpern. By the way, Dave Halpern, who founded bloggingtheboys.com, his book came out today, uh, a book all about college football trivia. We've all tweeted out the link. Dave is on Twitter at Dave underscore Halpern. If you go to bloggingtheboys.com, we have an article uh, kind of in the middle section there where you can get the link to now. Now, not pre-order. Now you're a little bit late, but go ahead. Please do go support Dave. Leave a review on the Amazon page. Those things really help us out. I'll grab my copy right now. Uh, but Tom, while I do that, would you agree um, that while it's not surprising, it is still frustrating what the Cowboys have been doing or rather not doing this offseason? 
Yeah, the frustration has been building for some time now. And it's because this is clearly a formula they have. Uh, anyone who is getting excited about, uh, you know, Wagner or Smith or anyone like that just wasn't paying attention over the past few years. Uh, the Cowboys seem to have a hard cap of about $6.5 million per year. They'll pay for an outside free agent. And if someone is going to cost more than that, you don't even get excited. Don't even think about it. Just assume they're going to land somewhere else because that that's the Cowboys' way. That is the Stephen Jones hard formula. He has he is not flexible. He's not opportunistic. Uh, he wants to see the market for people, as has been reported, that they they prefer to see players go out and test the market before they ever make their first offer with kind of a, I guess, a handshake agreement that they want a chance to see if they're going to meet it or not. And I think that explains a lot of what happened with J. Ron Curse taking as longer than it should have. I think Brian Anger may have been a result of that, that they had to see. And that says to me that some other team was prepared to offer him around $3 million a year. So this is just the way the Cowboys do business. And if you just learn to accept that that's what's going to happen, you don't get so angry. But it doesn't keep you from feeling frustrated because there's better ways to do this, I believe. Rabble, along those lines, quickly, Tom, um, it's a bit of a trope, I'd say, among, you know, the sectors of Cowboys Twitter that, well, if he's a big name, Cowboys aren't going to be interested. Would you really dilute it to that? I mean, can can it really be, you know, and and there there are things that go hand in hand with that, because if somebody's a big name, they're obviously a notable player and they're seemingly going to command some money. But um, is, is that, you know, that very blunt, but sort of vague at the same time truth an actual truth? Or is it a lie? I'm sorry, is that a question for me? Yeah. 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 I, I think it's, I think it's a truth. Um, but I think it's a truth because oftentimes the people who, who fans recognize are people who have either um, been at the top, at the top of the profession, but oftentimes several years ago and, and, or were uh, first round draft picks when they were, when they were drafted. Right. And so when you, when, when most fans see a name, they recognize it's usually one of those two categories. And so, yeah, the Cowboys are not really big on paying guys who have finally been let go by their team. Sometimes their first team, oftentimes their second team, who were great players several years ago and are now declining, but still expect to be paid for their previous service. And I think that that's actually really financially sound. And so typically when a guy like Bobby Wagner comes on the market, everyone's like, Bobby Wagner, he's an all pro. Yeah, he was an all pro. Now he's a 30 year old guy at a high impact position. The likelihood that you're going to get a return on on the investment, which is going to be significant because of his name, um, the likelihood you're going to get a return on that is going to be very, very small. And his history proves that it's going to be very small. Yeah, we can collect a bunch of a bunch of big name players that that fans um, who don't really watch tape have heard of. But how is that actually going to help the team? My, my argument is it, it, it's actually not a wise strategy. It's, it's what uh, Dan Snyder and, and, the, and the former um, Washington football team, uh, who shall not be named, used to do all those years. And look where it got them. That's well said, Tom. You know, Rabble lays it out as, as he always does. Everybody should listen to the Star Seminar. He will calm you down. Danny Phantom, kind of the real eternal optimist uh, of blogging the boys' lore, um, and, and Rabble is, is a great kind of blend and balance that at the same time. Now, what we're all talking about, the Dallas Morning News did report today on Tuesday that the Cowboys are unlikely to sign Bobby Wagner. This was kind of the initial thought, but, you know, the Cowboys are doing their due diligence. Obviously, Tom, there is the connection between Dan Quinn and Bobby Wagner. The way it exists between 
between Dan Quinn and Dante Fowler. So on the one hand, Cowboys pushing this as, hey, this was why we brought in Dante Fowler, but that's seemingly not as, you know, not as, as valuable of an asset when it comes to Bobby Wagner. But again, not necessarily apples to apples. That being said, Tom, you've mentioned it that, you know, you're not necessarily satisfied with the way they've put together this roster. JT brings up a question in our comment section. How does that excuse not looking into a guy like Jeff Gladney? Jeff Gladney wound up with the Arizona Cardinals, had some off the field issues that are, you know, certainly something you have to pay attention to. Um, but but it does seem like, okay, fine, maybe we'll, we're allowed to forgive them for not looking into the Bobby Wagners of the world, but there are other players and seemingly other rocks that they are not looking under as well. Yeah, and I just think it's it's because they they automatically write off people that are likely to demand a higher salary than they feel like it's appropriate to pay for an outside free agent. And we all get sucked in a little bit by the fact that the Cowboys are also the name that every agent drops when they're trying to get a new contract for a player uh, because, you know, the Cowboys, okay, they do due diligence. They, they maybe check and say, well, do you have any idea what his contract demands will be? That rapidly gets spun into the Cowboys are interested. The Cowboys are in the mix when they're really not. They, they signal that they're not. We've, we've seen for years that they're not. And that's to me is, is I'm trying to assume a new, realistic approach to these things that I'm not going to believe that the big name is involved until something happens until they actually go out and sign. Or we hear that there was an offer on the table, which we just haven't seen for a long time. And if there is an offer that the Cowboys put out, it's almost always a low ball offer. So they're trying to see if they can kind of lure someone in at a bargain rate, because we all know that Stephen Jones spends all his time in the bargain bin when we get to free agency. Things can be found in the bargain bin, Tom. I mean, you ever get one of those $5 DVDs at Walmart? They got some classics in there, you know? Yeah, and and they did last season. I I think we saw J. Ron Curse they went after uh, and, and got a deal that I think had to be done for the defense to not have a significant step back. Uh, but the downside of that is it just reinforces to Stephen Jones that he really knows what he's doing and he's got a great plan. And yeah, I'm not so convinced of that. Nope. Rabble, as we take a look, um, and everybody who's watching, our podcast audience can't see this, but but those with us with us live and those watching after the fact can. Um, this is everything the Cowboys have done. Everything notable. You know, we don't have Greg Zerline's dismissal on here. Uh, Blake Jarwin being waived as an injury designation. Uh, these are the notable things to happen to the Cowboys so far. They have brought back now with Brian Anger, which happened. We've been talking about it now for a little bit today on Tuesday. It is a three-year, nine million dollar deal. Bit of a luxury to pay for a punter, but if you believe he's one of the best in the NFL, hey, so be it. It's your money. Um, what 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 can you take away from this list, Rabble? I mean, if, if you have to formulate a, a disposition, a philosophy that the Cowboys are applying, if you were an alien landing here, if you didn't know who they've been for the last decade, ever since they were spooked by Brandon Carr, um, what, what what is your grand takeaway from from the the work that you see here, the math that they have shown? I think if you're an alien and you don't know if you don't know that the history passed about 2000 before 2013, then I think that everything that Tom is saying, for example, about Stephen Jones and the bargain bin is probably going to be what you conclude. I think it's really important to remember, however, like what how, the way this team used to operate, which was to which was to, to go out and buy expensive free agents. Um, they did that for years. That was the Jerry Jones way. And um it's very, it was very, very seldom, other than perhaps Leroy Glover, where they really, truly got return on those free agent investments. And I think 
frankly, if we look across the league, it's very, very rare for a team to get a return on its investment. So, um, so I, I think that I think that the, the, in many ways, the reason that we as a fan base are so frustrated is because we've forgotten this history. We forgot how frustrating it was in the other way for them to, to invest in all these free agents who, who never some of who didn't play, some of who got injured, almost none of whom ever, ever gave the return on the dollar. So that, I think that that's point one. And point two is people are saying Stephen Jones doesn't want to resi- doesn't want to sign any big name players. That's factually incorrect. He wants to sign lots of big name players. They all just happen to be former Cowboys. Right. So I think the thing, the thing about that is, you know, people are saying, why can't we be the Rams? Why can't we be the Rams? Well, the Rams aren't paying any of their draft picks other than, other than Aaron Donald, because they really don't have any right now. And so it's not that the Cowboys are, are, are buying fewer high priced guys or, or are, are somehow not going to be up, up against the cap to the same degree that these other teams that want to spend are, they do, they're up against the cap every year. They just give that, that money to their own all pros because they're actually, and, and this is particularly true since Will McClay took over in 2014, really, really good at drafting and they continually draft all pros and they continually pay them and keep them in the fold. And so in, in some ways the, the Cowboys are spending a lot of money in free agency. It's just giving second contracts to the guys who have already uh, been in house, who have contributed to the culture and who, whose work ethic they know because they've seen them in the gym every single day. I want to talk about one position very specifically for a moment, Rabble, and then Tom, I'll get your thoughts here. Everything you said makes sense, Rabble, and and we've seen that play itself out over and over and over again. If they like a guy, one of their own, they will pay him. They do kind of view these um, as, as rewards, so to speak. We saw uh, former BTB as well, Katie Drummond, write about this as well over at the Cowboys Wire very recently. Uh, great sort of analysis of that Fantastic. particular yeah. idea. Um, so that being said. They were going to pay Randy Gregory. If we if we live in this vacuum for a moment, they were going to pay Randy Gregory. They were committed to paying Randy Gregory. Obviously, they felt like they had a need at the edge rusher position to the point that they were going to commit those resources to Randy Gregory. What happened, happened. Okay, we're, we're water under the bridge. We're not going to acknowledge that. You're right. Fault on both sides. Okay, so why not then react? They, and they, they do have the draft, but they have to fill a need at guard. They have to fill a need at tackle. They have to fill a need at wide receiver. They're a great drafting team, but the odds of getting help that can be of assistance right now in the here and now, this 2022 season that carries so much importance for so many people is pretty slim. And so in some ways, it does feel like a dismissal of an opportunity to improve their roster, especially when at the time, and consider how practical this was you know, yourself, uh, Von Miller was available, Chandler Jones was available, Zadarius Smith, who today signed with the Minnesota Vikings, you know, I, I don't want to say a, an elite front office, but some front offices, to Tom's point, might have said, okay, Randy Gregory fell apart. Let's pivot. Let's go get Zedaria Smith. They got Dante Fowler, but that still doesn't feel like enough. So I think a couple, couple questions there. You, one might say a better front office, and one might say a, a front office that was that, that panicked, right? It overreacted to that to that particular input, one that didn't actually have a sort of clear plan. And so I think I think you know you can go both ways, right? You can you can panic and just get a guy. Um, uh, just because something like that happens so quickly and you feel like you've got a hole. And now I'm not going to say they don't have a hole and I'm not going to say that, that, they're, that they're, their pass rush, which looked like it was going to be one of the real strengths of the team, is now going to be you know a little bit more of a challenge. And nobody, nobody in their right mind would say that Dante Fowler is the same kind of player as uh, Randy Gregory could have been. Um, but at the same time, a guy like Zadarius Smith really isn't a, a sort of a right end, an open, an open side end in a, a system like Dan Quinn's. He's more of like a, he's sort of like an undersized five tech. He's a, he's, he's, he's a, the kind of guy 
who's probably whose game's probably more like Terrell Basham's that or Demarcus Lawrence's than it is like Randy Gregory's or Dante Fowler. So they what they really need is that speed in. And that's not the easiest thing to get. I mean, you, you know, you, you, that's not the kind of position you're going to get uh, uh, in the bargain basement unless something weird happens like a Robert Quinn comes open. So one other thing I want to, I want to, to mention is this. One of the things the Cowboys always do during the draft is, is try to draft positions that are deep in that particular draft because they feel like, you know, when that position comes around to them, they're going to get value. And the, the two deepest positions in this year's draft are defensive end and wide receiver. So I think it's I think it's no accident that um, that Amari Cooper was let go because they really feel like we're going to get a great value receiver. They're going to draft a receiver in the first two days and they're going to get tremendous value because it's an incredibly deep draft. They might even get another one in round six, you know, as a sort of special teams development guy or something. And I think they'll probably get a defensive end, too. I think they probably just feel like, you know, we need we need a very specific type of end. Dante Fowler is the best option. We know him. We trust him. And and then we're going to try to look for that guy in the draft because I think to panic and get a guy who's not a position fit, who, who, um, you know, who's not going to give you what the defensive scheme needs in terms of the return on investment is, um, is I think an overreaction to, you know, to the latest inputs. Rabble is, is really what a lot of people needed an optimistic, um, you know, just sort of light right now, Rabble. So that's who you are. Uh, by the way, Danny, uh, Danny Phantom, that is, made a great point on the latest episode of the Star Seminar about how Demarcus Lawrence has kind of clogged up that left-end spot, how the Cowboys have kind of been unable to really move anything around just because that's sort of been his his place of dominance for forever now. Tom, so do you feel differently? Do you feel, because I think the, the average person feels, at least the average Twitter user feels, okay, Rabble, fine, that makes sense. But... I don't want to spend that premium pick at defensive end. If Kenyon Green's there, that's where I want to spend that pick. We have a lot of holes to fill here, and so we can use this opportunity right now in free agency to acquire somebody to, to help us now. We, we can take away the pressure from trying to f- not, not only have somebody fall to us, but develop that person, develop them quickly enough. My dog is pissed in the background, the UPS driver's here. Uh, it just, ha- just happens to be that time. But are the Cowboys foregoing an opportunity to kind of get, you know, Two birds with a single stone, if that makes sense, Tom. Well, yeah, I, they've made the choice. I think that that's just how not how they're going to go. Uh, I they they are willing to spend on their own people, I guess, because they know them or something. Uh, I think they've got a lot of faith in the ability to develop people further, like Dorrance Armstrong, like Golston. Uh, and who's, I think who's, who's evidence, not, not that you believe this time, but who's evidence that that works out? Who, uh, who is recent evidence of their own tutelage that that works out? Somebody they drafted besides Demarcus Lawrence is, is the example who they almost you know cut this year. Um, yeah. who, who is another example of a defensive end who they found, they groomed, and therefore serves as proof of this concept? Well, Gregory would have been, I think, if he'd uh, stayed and been what we thought he was. But uh, I, the Cowboys don't necessarily base this on hard evidence. I think they <laughs> just have these preconceived ideas that they're so locked into. And on the speed end, I think they're relying heavily on Micah Parsons to do that for them as well. Uh, because he has incredible speed and an incredible ability to change directions. And he brings power and it's just... You know, he was he was the unicorn they found in the draft that also bolsters that thing that they believe that where you go to get that real talent is 
in the first couple rounds of the draft. You're going to, you know, you're going to find those people that way and occasionally hit a little bit later on, perhaps. I, I worry that I sometimes think that there's going to be a point where they're going to stub their toe badly in their draft because Taco Charlton is not that far in the past. Uh, you know, there's a real recency bias here because they struck gold last year and it's like with the way they struck some gold in, in the bargain bin free agents last year. They think that is just sustainable and something they can do consistently. There's a lot more luck in all this than anybody wants to admit. There's so much luck in the NFL. You get lucky sometimes with a free agent, or you have really bad luck when you invest money in someone and they get hurt the second week of training camp. Uh, this, it, As I said... They just believe in their process so much, and yet their process, I don't think, is something you can replicate regularly. They they did last, they got good last year, and now they think they're going to do it again this year. Along those lines, uh, big big show here for Danny Phantom, who isn't even here, um, <laughs> but but wrote um, on Friday about you know every time the the Denver Broncos have have kind of had a misstep that the Cowboys have benefited greatly from that. Um, obviously, there there was the the drafting of Paxton Lynch, uh, which you know <laughs> really was uh, an incredible thing that, that set you know Dallas up. There was the drafting of Patrick Sertan, which is the most recent. There was a third one. I can't believe what I'm for, I'm forgetting what the third one was. Um, I, I'm just bl- totally blanking on what the third example was that Danny listed. Uh, but either way, uh, the Broncos took Patrick Sutan with the ninth overall pick, which set, obviously, Dallas up to trade back to 12 from 10 uh, to land Micah Parsons. Now, Rabble, um, I think we would all agree, just a simple yes, we would all agree the Cowboys have a tendency to place perhaps an unfair level of pressure on their superstars, right? Namely, the quarterbacks. We, we've seen them do that to Tony Romo, now to Dak Prescott. Be our hero, be our savior, you're the guy, etc. So... I think Tom has a point. I think that's everybody's answer, right? Like, okay, so what? Randy Gregory walked. You know, maybe we're going to strike gold because of, of the Broncos Cowboys curse thing or whatever. Micah Parsons will rush the passer. So I ask you, Rabble, are the Cowboys already placing, that should say placing, I'll, t- I'll fix that right now, placing too much pressure on Micah Parsons? I don't think it's fair or unfair to say that he's going to suffer some sort of regression in his sophomore season because he was spectacular as a rookie. That isn't an indictment on Micah Parsons. That isn't a negative thing. That's just life that's just what you know what goes up must come down and so in that sense they are now tasking this second year player with being their top linebacker top pass rusher when they had these opportunities to alleviate some of the pressure no pun intended on his plate i think an argument can be made that that's precisely what they're doing by quote-unquote shopping in the bargain bin because one of the other things about about the cowboys in uh, not, not too not too distant past is that they were a, a team as people have labeled them of stars and scrubs and i think one of the things that they're trying to do by doling out a bunch of contracts that are five million dollars a year and instead of you know half as many contracts that are 10 or a third as many contracts that are 15 is to try to give depth so that there are guys who can make plays uh, at every level there and there are guys who can make plays if other guys get injured so you're not relying so exclusively on the Dak Prescotts and Micah Parsons you know the, the respective quarterbacks of the offense and the defense and so um you know last year as as, as Tom's been pointing out you, you saw that you saw that really really bear fruit and I think that um one of the lessons that they do seem to have learned is that 
depth is really important. That it doesn't matter how good your superstars are when when you have Demarcus uh, Ware and you have Tony Romo if you're playing with replacement level guys at, at left guard, right? And and so. Um, you know, we can argue about how good the depth has been, et cetera. But I think that one of the things we've seen in the last few years, and I think actually it's gotten a lot better in the last couple of years under Mike McCarthy, although we didn't see it in 2020 because the entire world blew up. But um, but I, I think one of the things that we've seen is, is a much deeper middle of the roster, a much more competent middle of the roster. And one of the ways you do that is by not overpaying your guys in free agency. That's fair. Um, that's that's certainly very fair, and, and that's one way to look at it. And I think the general argument would be, well, that way hasn't yielded the results that they're looking for, so why are they sticking to it? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Um, I want to quiz both of you. Uh, normally, Rabble, you and Danny play games on the Star Seminar. Maybe, Tom, throw some games on Riled Up. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a nice kind of you know game show vibe, that's all I'm saying. Um, so I'll ask you this. Demarcus Ware, you mentioned his name, uh, Rabble, last played with the Cowboys in 2013. He should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as of now, but that process is entirely too political, which is a shame. Uh, who was the leading sacker on the 2013 Dallas Cowboys? Do either of you know? And how many sacks did they have? That's the bonus part of the question. I'll just take the name, though, and consider you right. 13. Um, uh, Jason Hatcher. Wow. Rabble is just cleaning up in here. Okay. Um, DeMarcus I, Ware. I knew that one. I knew that one. Oh, yeah. did, he, did he have like 11? He had he had eleven precisely. Holy crap! Somebody get Rabble a trophy. Uh, he parlayed that into a big contract with the Daily aforementioned double. Washington football team. Um, <laughs> so Demarcus, we're speaking of double, was not even the second sack leader on the Cowboys that year. Can anybody name who that was? I will give you a clue in that he led the Cowboys in sacks the following year in 2014, the famed Des Cotter year. Uh, um. Oh, what the heck was his name? Uh, I will eat Dave Halpern's book if you get this right, right and get the number. Uh, what the heck was his name? He was 26 years old at the time. That's the only clue you get. But I'm I'm as blank I'm blank on that one. Because Jose I'm... Christian in the comment section guesses Anthony Spencer. That is incorrect. You have both run out of time. It was George Selvey, Selvey. Uh, oh, the second yes, leading sacker yes. on the yeah. 2013 Cowboys, had seven. Demarcus Ware only had six. Mm. Um, so this is a random you know year to choose, but you know in the spirit of of kind of operating on our feet, Rabble, you brought up Demarcus Ware. Do the 2022 Cowboys have 2013 versions of Jason Hatcher and George Selvey in the fold? Because seemingly they will need that, right? They will need somebody to help them out to to alleviate the aforementioned pressure on Micah Parsons. Is, is there anybody that is that? I mean, I would assume that we would all agree that 2022 Demarcus Lawrence is a superior player to either 2013 Jason Hatcher or George Selvey. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, and I think Micah Parsons is 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 probably better than uh, than anybody in either of those teams. Yeah, and I'll I'll say that I think Demarcus Lawrence may play the role Demarcus Ware played when Jason Hatcher led the team in sacks. In the fact that he's tying up blockers and helping people like Micah Parsons get through to the to the passer. And I also want to say that I think that while the front office may be putting a lot of pressure on Micah Parsons and the fans may be putting a lot of pressure on him. 
I trust Dan Quinn to use his tools effectively and maximize what they get out of them, which may mean that Micah Parsons doesn't see as many sacks because Dan Quinn is finding ways to use him to get other people to the passer. Look at that. Look at this the symmetry. Everybody's in a good mood now. <laughs> Ravel, you shut up, and, and all, the, all the funk just kind of happened to go away. Um, okay, because – we have to do this. I'm going to put the offseason so far for the Cowboys on the screen once again. Uh, and, Tom, I'd like you to go first. What grade would we give the Cowboys offseason? Again, you're seeing all the players that they brought back. I'm sorry to our podcast audience, but I, we've tweeted this graphic out as well. Follow us on Twitter, Blog of the Boys. Uh, all the players that they have brought back, there are 11 of them. Brian Anger joining on Tuesday. Two new players, wide receiver James Washington and Dante Fowler, and they have lost five notable contributors, two of them of their own real decision by trading away Amari Cooper and cutting Lyle Collins. We'll go with letter grades for the professor here uh, in, in Rabble Rouser, but Tom, so you can go, you can throw in a plus or minus if you want to make it complicated, but the floor is yours. Uh, I give the players that they've no, 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 we don't. No, no, no right in the fence here, Tom. We need a full, just grade. Just grade the offseason. Okay. The whole offseason, I give a C plus. That's what our comment section seems to agree the most on. Um, rabble your thoughts on Tom's C plus. I think that's I think that's a fair grade for um for for a midterm grade because I here's here's the thing. Ultimately right now you have to grade it incomplete because the other mm. thing that happens all the time is we always get up in arms in the first week of free agency and cry and moan and how are we gonna fill all these holes? And eventually they fill all the holes and then they draft and then you look at the complete team, you're like, ah, that's a pretty good roster. And so I think one of the lessons we have to remind ourselves of is wait until the the whole thing's done because um, especially the way the Cowboys, you know, the, the way the Cowboys operate, there's going to be a lot of interesting little guys, you know, little, little contracts they pick up here and there in the second and third week of free agency. They're probably going to draft well. I mean, there'll at least be, you know, some promising athletes you know, that, that come into the fold through the draft. And then suddenly in, in the beginning of May, the first, the first mini camps will be like, Hey, this is a pretty good roster. Right. And so to, to, to be, to be thinking about, who, who the 53 was in that last in the playoff game against San Francisco versus this team now, that's not an apples to apples comparison. Of course they're worse because they have a third less guys. Wait till they get the whole roster and 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 then we can actually give them a reasonable grade. Yeah, so a, then, a reason- Tom, Tom, your question to, to you okay. know, this is a nice back and forth, a little tit for tat. You and Rabble are making jazz music here. What is the necessary thing? I mean, if you have to, if you have to boil it down to something, what, what is, what are the nest? Maybe it's a, two things, three things. What are the, the necessary dominoes that have to fall to go from a C minus, C plus, whatever, to an A minus, even a B plus? Like, what ups you a letter grade? What is the necessary sequence? Oh, they've got to do something on the offensive line, which they've done absolutely nothing so far. Uh, that's what I was going to say. That's why it's very incomplete because I don't think they're done. I think they're looking for that that bargain bin player that they can bring in so that we don't have to rely on Connor McGovern going in as the starting left guard. Uh, and, and I think they're going to need some depth at tackle as well. Uh, and, and when we see that, maybe we'll have a little bit better idea and then we'll be able to set up for the, the draft because they're not set up yet. They haven't addressed the line, which kind of makes me nervous because I think it's a higher priority than, some of these others, you know, the, there's there's a lot of priorities they've addressed, but I think that is one that they're just dragging their feet a little bit on, and I'm I'm waiting to see what happens there. 
Rabble, on the other side of that coin, what would lower the grade for you? Um, I, th- I think you're, it- you're, you're right. It's, it's incomplete right now. So, so what swings the pendulum to, to the negative side of the spectrum? I think if, if they um, do a really poor job in the draft, because you know, it, their whole philosophy, as we've been talking about, is based upon filling all the holes in free agency so they can quote unquote draft pure. I mean, that's something that Garrett used to always talk about, but I believe that that's a front, that's a Will McClay philosophy. I think that they've stuck to it. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a wise philosophy in, in theory. Right. Um, and the last couple of years, frankly, the two last two drafts with McCarthy in there, who's, who's, uh, he and his coaches are not as interested in the draft as Garrett was Garrett. I think one of, the, one of the, the values that the Joneses saw that Garrett brought was he was a scout and he was the son of a scout. And frankly, I think with McCarthy, uh, the coaches have just butted out and their drafts have been significantly better because the Cowboys with, I mean, listen, I, I know I've been Mr. Optimist here. Um, I think there are some significant problems with the ownership group. And I think one of the reasons this team is, is going to struggle to win consistently is because their owners are knuckleheads. But um I will say that the scouts and Will McClay are arguably the best in the business. And, and I think there's a lot of evidence to show that very few teams have any draft better than they do. They could, could they, could they be smarter in terms of positional value? Absolutely. But they're again and again and again, they draft guys who have what it takes to succeed in the NFL. And that's, that's a lot harder um, to do than, than I think it, it looks. And, and we're, and then, then we're, then we're accustomed to. So anyway, um, I think if for some reason they have a miserable draft or, or draft draft a bunch of like low value positions high or do something like that, then I think then I think the whole equation falls apart. Right. Because they're not going to get a, a high price free agent left guard. They're going to target one in the first round. I think I mean, I think it's the writing's pretty clear that they, they, they've shown no interest in getting, getting a guard. They've got Connor McGovern. He's he's their low price free agent, Tom, and um, or the equivalent thereof. Right. He's the placeholder and, and, and they're going to probably target a guard in, in the first round. I, I, I wouldn't shock me at all. That's where the value is. That would make perfect sense. And that would fill a significant hole. And I think they'll probably get another Ty Niseki, like swing tackle guy in the third week of free agency. And, and that, and that's going to be the offensive line going forward. So, I, to, so to lower the grade to back, back to your question, RJ, to lower the grade, they'd have to bungle the draft in a way where it exposed the, the, um, the sort of problematic side of their talent acquisition philosophy. I think you could argue, and this sounds stupid, um, I realize this, but you could argue that they bungled the draft last year. I mean, their, their plan entering the draft was to, to walk away with J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan. We're all extremely grateful that that did not happen. But there's no question that, that the first night was, I mean, you know, DEFCON 1 for them. And so, I mean, that, and that's the nature. Tom talked about it. We talked about Danny's article and, and the Broncos and then the lock and everything. You know, some breaks go your way, some don't. But, I mean, when you're picking at 24, there's even longer odds that, that the way you want this thing to shake out. I mean, you're, when you're picking 10, you know, you're, you're, you know, it's a lot more, it's a lot higher probability that you're going to walk away with somebody who you want. But right. they got completely wiped out. And even then, Micah became something inordinately unique, Tom. But they did still spend a premium pick on not necessarily a premium position now micah evolved to make it a premium pick and a premium position but you could uh, is that not fair to say tom that maybe they did bungle that like is there any chance that we are potentially overrating their ability to draft because this this one 
cornerstone is is the Jenga piece in the middle of the tower, right? They're, they're, they nail the draft. They'll nail the draft. And if they don't, then everything that they are banking all of this on comes crumbling down with it. Well, yeah, that's what I've been hinting at. They're riding away. Well, you're, you're right, Tom. You're, you're the best luck. one of us. Respect. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that this, you know, if it doesn't take much of a stumble to make this whole thing, like you said, just topple over to the side. And you can't convince me that Micah Parson was just not, you know, they, they were down to their, their last bet and they just, you know, put it on 36 and said to heck with it. And the roulette ball fell in the right slot. Uh, the, uh, that should, it should not have worked. Micah Parsons should not have paid off the way he did. He was a, he was seen as an off ball linebacker. Now they saw more in him and there was certainly more there, but that is that positional confusion that professor Rouser is talking about the, uh, they they do not have the the dollar positions the money positions that have been talked about at, at uh, blogging the boys for a long long time you know your quarterbacks wide receivers defensive ends uh, cornerbacks you know those are the people and your your tackles your your left tackle those are the people you have to get right those are where you need to be investing your most valuable resources. And yet the Cowboys have somehow gotten away to an extent with not doing it. But I think that may be why the Cowboys keep getting, you know, they keep being relevant, but not contenders. You know what I mean? They keep, they're in the playoff mix, but they aren't getting through the barrier. So, Along this idea, Rabble, that maybe they're and, – and again, I want to be very clear. I don't think the Cowboys are unique and that they benefit from luck by way of the draft. Everybody has luck at all points of an NFL season and all points of life. But generally speaking, and we all know this because we've all followed and covered this team for a very long time, if you follow the Cowboys, who they want with their first pick – is very telegraphed. You always know who the Cowboys have their sights set on. Last year, as mentioned, it was Patrick Sertan or J.C. Horn. The year before that, it was Caleb on Chase Hunt. That was their edge rusher they were going to take, and and those did not work out. They got they've gotten extremely lucky two years in a row with Micah Parsons falling to them and Ceedee Lamb falling the year prior. In 2019, it was so telegraphed that they wanted Tristan Hill in the second round. That has not worked out. The year before that, in 2018, their first round pick, it was so telegraphed that they wanted Leighton Vanderish. The year before that, 2017, that's the most painful of all of these. They wanted Taco Charlton. They did not like TJ. That was the most telegraphed thing, that they did not want TJ Watt. Neither of those things have worked out. And the year before, they did kind of flip back and forth between Zeke and Jalen Ramsey, but their interest in Zeke was very well known. And the fact that they spent such a premium commodity on that is something that we're all still very upset about. So Rabble, in that sense, are they actually not good at all at this? I mean, like, Again, that's an exaggeration, but the things that they have wanted are all things that either were catastrophic or would have been catastrophic. Their greatest successes have been nothing but luck. Yeah, I mean, so yes, um, a couple of things. One, um, we actually had this conversation on the Star Seminar last week, which is um, the Cowboys are a good drafting team. And I think that generally, like they, they draft players who have good NFL careers, uh, generally and more often than other teams do. But that's only possible because they have been given 
15 plus years now of incredible fortune at the quarterback position where they've invested nothing and two guys fell into their lap. And obviously we know the story about the 2016 draft when Dak was like their fourth quarterback. And we could, we could be, you know, we could be in Clint Turner era right now. And unlike Romo, who they never made a conscious decision to even start. I mean, it was right. It was a hand that was completely forced, but continue on. No, you're, you're absolutely right. So, so to get uh, two, all pro caliber quarterbacks for a combined investment of the 135th pick is remarkable. But that also means that they haven't been chasing quarterback for the last decade plus. And if they were chasing quarterback the last decade plus all these guys who, you know, that, you know, they would, they would have drafted Johnny Menzel instead of, instead of Zach Martin. And then, and that same, that same sort of problem would have, would have compounded itself again and again and again. And, and they would be, they would be the Cleveland Browns or, you know, the, the Detroit lions or somebody like that. So I, I think that's that's point one. And then point two, uh, to speak to Tom's point, I wholeheartedly agree that that their one of their strategies has been to pick the best player at a given position rather than try to pick the fourth best player at a more important position. And that certainly has proven to be a, a successful strategy insofar as like the Travis Fredericks and Zach Martins of the world have been cornerstones of the offense. At the same time, they're investing a credible amount of resources at positions that don't matter. Right. And so, yeah, you've got a great interior offensive line. That's amazing. But then then again, you know, you, you don't have those those first round draft picks that you've been spending at defensive tackle or defensive end or, you know, or maybe corner or whatever. I mean, there seems like there's always other positions, you know, the money five that we've that Tom was just talking about. There are always money five positions where they may have gone a little, a little light because they've invested heavily in positions that don't matter as much, frankly. And so um, and part of that's luck. And and or they've invested at, at high impact, uh, short career positions like running back and off ball linebacker. So, I, th- I think that I think that um, they've been lucky. Yes, they've also ha- they they have a real problem with positional import. And I I think that other than the knuckleheads in the front office and, and the culture that they that they um, you know that they sort of have set here in, in uh, at, at um, you know was Valley Ranch at the Star. Um, other than that, I think that may be the thing that's keeping them from jumping over the edge, because, you know, in, into the NFC championship game, because when you need a play, do you want Do you want that play to be from your offensive guard? Who's an all pro, or do you need that to be from your, your, your defensive ends who are all pros or your, your wide receiver who are, who, who are all, all pros. And I think that, um, th- there's, there, those, th- those investments in those slightly less important positions do matter in really close playoff games or really close games at the end of the season. Well, and I think that's all evidence. I mean, you could argue the same philosophy exists with their level of quote unquote investment in head coach in general manager. I mean, you know, they, they approach those kind of in the same way. And Tom, is that part of what's frustrating is that, you know, they're kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth, right? Like, no, it's all about value. No, we have, we have to prioritize value. Value is so precious value, value, value. Yet here they are the team they took a running back with the fourth overall pick that doubled down on that horrible investment that, you know, again, drafted what was evaluated to be an off the ball linebacker with what was effectively uh, the 10th overall pick. You're right. It, that, that should not have worked out. They, they had their last chip in and, and they, they banked. Um, 
that it's it's and so when when they come out and they say the logic that that rabble himself did you know 30 minutes ago oh well this is why we don't want to do this is, this is why we don't want to invest in bobby wagner okay fine i we can accept that we can understand where your logic is coming from but then you turn around and you make brian anger one of the highest paid punters in the nfl and i'm not trying to sit here and, and get on a soapbox about a punter but that's not somewhere to d- invest serious resources in again it's not resources that make or break the difference but it's the philosophical point of this whole thing yeah uh there's I'm, I'm trying to, to keep about four straight threads live in my head. So forgive me if I seem a little bit slow trying to put this all together. But the big problem, I think, is their whole definition of value for the Cowboys. The most important value is cap space. They have, you know, come out and said the most important thing is cap space. And they're not looking at the value being what the player does on the field and the level at which they do it. And they, they, they have completely got this backwards. They need to figure out what they need, which is where the coaches are important, but because the coach's job in the draft and, and free agency is to identify, here's where my roster is weak. Here's what needs to be bolstered. Here's what needs to be filled in. And then the front office should go out and manipulate the cap in order to get that. And all of the excuses are so lame because look at what the New Orleans Saints have done. They they were so deep in the cap hole that everybody said it's over, they're dead, it's going to take them years to rebuild. Now all of a sudden they're one of the top 10 teams in available cap space and they didn't have to get rid of a single player. They kept who they wanted and are signing whoever they want, and they're just massaging the cap into infinity. And everybody says that's eventually going to catch up with you. Well, it hasn't really caught up with them for years now. And the Cowboys used to do that. Remember when we used to have these arguments about the Cowboys were kicking the can down the road, and that was everybody just saw, oh, that was terrible. No, turns out that's how teams are able to put together whatever roster they kind of want because they realize that the cap is an accounting tool and it can be manipulated and the revenues are going up, which is going to drive the cap up and it, it, it gets less. It's just like paying your quarterback. The Cowboys could have had Dak Prescott for like 35 million or less if they had just gone in and said, okay, you're worth it to it. We're going to Demarcus Lawrence saying, Exact truth Same that exact point. thing. They wound up paying more, and then four years later, three years later, two years later, those salaries are, like, down. I mean, how many quarterbacks are now making more than Dak Prescott? So, along these lines, Rabble, it does feel like there are um, – I'll just put it bluntly. There are like weird victory laps that, that people, including the front office, take. As an example, I was reminded of this. I saw um, the tweet again right now from uh, Clarence Hill, the Fort Worth Star Telegram. When Leighton Vanderish got his his new deal um, uh, last week, a uh, one year deal, he returned to the team. They did not pick up his fifth year option last year. That happened just days after they selected Micah Parsons, which again was evidence of the off the ball linebacker sort of situation that that surrounded mm-hmm. his his very picking. But um, had they picked up his fifth year option, Rabble Leighton would be on the books for about nine point one million dollars this season. And so I tweeted that out when, when this news came out, and I got all these people who are like, "Oh, so you won't give them credit for doing a good thing? He's on the books for three million. Actually, it's coming out. Uh, he's got a base salary of two 
million. So people are like, look, they saved $7 million. It's like, yeah, but he's not a good player. You know, <laughs> you know like th this isn't like a brag that they're getting a, a, a okay player. And, and so to them, though, Rabble, it does feel like those things are victories. Like they believe, man, we outsmarted Leighton. Like they don't they don't see the, the brokenness of he's actually not a good player that is evidence of our miss in the draft, a telegraph pick, et cetera. And like Dak, Dak was a, a, a bet that was never going to work against themselves because if he excelled, they were going to excel as a franchise, but they were going to have to pay him more. If he failed, then they were going to be screwed as a franchise. And so they have these conflicting ideologies in so many senses of their operation. Yeah, I think, I think that, um, you know, the, the more we drill down to the team, the more we get to the, the sort of central problem, which is that the, the, there's no, the Joneses themselves don't really have a philosophy. So Jerry's philosophy, I mean, so one of the other things I think that, that current Cowboy fans seem to have forgotten with their short memories is, um, you know, everyone says the Cowboys have always done things this way. Like they've always been frugal and free agency. No, no, that wasn't the case. And in fact, that there used to be that they would try new things all the time. And so they, they, they were so wildly inconsistent. They would like to try to save money one year. And then the following year they would spend wildly and, you know, they would, they would, you know, they would trade draft picks and the next year they would hoard draft picks. And it was always sort of like following the leader. And so they were, they were really, really, uh, inconsistent. And so at least there's a consistency now. And we can disagree that this is the optimal philosophy, um, but at least at least there's there is a consistent philosophy. However, that inconsistency was driven by a mercurial owner slash GM. Um, and I think, you know, one of the reasons why they're more consistent now is he's only the GM in name. You know, there is actually a person who is who has a consistent approach, who is the GM in actual, who's the de facto GM. But um those kind of that, that kind of schizophrenia and, and inconsistency, which ultimately then comes from uh, an ownership group that doesn't want any accountability, um, is the core problem, right? And so, for everything they do well, they do they do at least one thing poorly, um, or 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 they 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 fail to to pursue a, a good idea to its logical conclusion because it's inconvenient. Uh, or because it might impinge upon the amount of fun they have or whatever. And so um, there are always limits. And those limits, I think, I mean, I think the organization is actually a really well-run organization compared to a lot of organizations. Sure, um, yeah. But I think that there are some fundamental philosophical um, issues that emanate from the owner's office, and those aren't going to change. Those are never going to change. And, and if they, so if they do win, it's going to be, as Tom was saying earlier, luck it's they're gonna they're gonna get a couple of bounces in the playoff game and they're gonna get to the nfc championship game but it's not because, gonna be because they saw the light it's gonna be because it was their turn to get lucky and they're good enough and they do enough things well that they're always going to be relevant and they're and they're not going to probably ever have three consecutive five and eleven seasons again but they also they do enough things that are maddening and stupid that they're also they're, they're not going to have an overwhelmingly good roster where it's it's obvious that they should be the best team that, that they'll be in the mix and one of these days they'll get lucky and make it but it's not going to be because that team was better it's going to be because they got lucky you know to that point i don't know that that any i mean i don't know this off the top of my head but like most teams won't go three years with a five and eleven record five and twelve now however you want to put it right. um that's just the NFL. I mean, you know, the Jaguars have been to an AFC title game. The Cleveland Browns won a playoff game a season ago. You know, I mean, you've seen the, the Buffalo Bills are now one of the perennial teams in the AFC. The Minnesota Vikings have had success. Like, all these kind of down-on-their-luck. Uh, even the Lions have, have had some levels of success, granted, very recently. It's not shining on that. Um, Rabble, before we go back to Tom, because we've, got, we've talked about this before, but this is your first roundtable with us. 
I think there's one move, one, one move that, that can't be explained or optimistic the way there's, there's one kind of smash the glass move that they could hit that where they would lose everybody. Um, and I think that's if they restructure Ezekiel Elliott's deal. I don't think there is a logical way to explain that. It kind of feels like we're teetering in that direction. I mean, you know, they, they've doubled down on Zeke. Stephen Jones's most recent comments about him, at least, were, were a heavy level of endorsement for him. If that happens, is, is that maybe warranting of a removal of a letter grade? I mean, is that, okay, you guys are truly lost in the wilderness. I was giving you too much of a benefit of the doubt. This is a really interesting and complex issue. How much time do we have? <laughs> um, uh, not enough to okay, dive so, all so the way let, down let, the rabbit let me hole. Just put, let me just put this out there. Uh, my understanding is that Zeke's penalty when he had all that money taken away from him was actually not a penalty about Zeke. It was a penalty where the other owners got together and leveled a, leveled a penalty against Jerry Jones. Okay. So this was about owners getting, getting angry because another over another owner overstepped. And so um, Zeke served Jerry Jones penalty. Okay. And his career was almost ruined as a result. I think everybody inside the, uh, inside the star knows that. And I think that this team feels like they owe Zeke because Zeke basically took it like a man and covered for Jerry rather than telling everybody, hey, this had nothing to do with, you know, he could have said something. They, he knows, like he, they know. And so um, it, I can't help but think that when they do, when they treat Zeke extra special, it's because they know that he did them a solid and he's continuing to cover their backsides for, for their, for their um, childish behavior uh, whatever it was that, that, that Jerry did, and I think it was many things, to anger the commissioner, to anger the other owners, et cetera, that caused that penalty to happen in the first place. Well, so either either some high level of speculation or some hypothesis is correct, or they are just completely and totally fundamentally broken as an evaluating front office to where they would prioritize a running back in, in so many facets. So all of that aside, whatever led us to this point, if they restructure his deal, how would that make you feel? I, don't, I wouldn't say that they're broke. I mean, I, I think in some ways the evidence of them being broken is 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 Jerry Jones' behavior and, and why the other owners had to had to collude against him. Sure, you know I mean, yeah, I mean? But, you know what I mean. That's, right. that's 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 the sort of fundamental rupture that's at the heart of, of of this team's problems. I would say that I would say that when they drafted him, I, I said I love the player, I hate the position, and that's been my that's been my my sort of mo the whole time. So my feeling is that. Um, they made an investment in him and then the day they drafted him, the entire horizon opened up exactly as it is. They, they were forced to continue to invest because you cannot draft a guy at number four overall and just give him one contract. You have to, you have to continue to invest and they're going to continue to, I think they're going to continue to do it. And it's, you know, it, it is, there, there is a sense of like a victory lap and a stubbornness that, um, when, they, when they get, when they get a little pushback from the media, they like to dig in. Mm. Tom, that would lose you? That would send you over the edge if they restructured Zeke Steele? I I would have said that, but I went and took a look at oh, no, the restructure Tom. situation. <laughs> Their only options are him and Tyron Smith. And I think was, 100 out of 100 people are picking Tyron. 100 yeah, out of 100. Probably, uh, you know, but Tyron, I'm, I worry. I, you know, I hate to say it but Zeke may have more life left in his football career than Tyron Smith does because Tyron Smith has been playing a long time getting getting a lot of hits out there at left tackle and we know he's having some 
he, he has an injury issue every year. It's just you mark it down on your calendar. And it, it all kind of comes down to where are they really in cap space right now because everybody's throwing that $26 million figure around. There are seven contracts that doesn't have included yet, and we haven't yet seen how the total shakes out. Uh, they have to have, I think, about $9.5 million to sign the draft class. And so I don't know what they've got left right now, and they may need to dip in. Now, if they were to do a small restructuring, like they just need like 2 or $3 million and did that, it'd be easy to handle. But if they went max restructure on, on Zeke, it would make me a little bit unhappy, but it wouldn't be as, as maddening as I, I would have thought before I started looking at the big picture again. All right, so as we wind down, um, Rabble, something we like to do is what, what one thing, if you don't say it now, you won't be able to sleep tonight? I mean, what, what do you have to get on your chest? And people will hear you and Tom later this week on the Blog of the Voice podcast network. Everybody search for Blog of the Voice wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, leave a rating, ride, review. Those things help us out so much. Uh, but Rabble, for now, what, what, just, what do you have to say? It could be a prediction. It can be a thought. It doesn't have to be Cowboys related. Maybe, you know, you, you were talking about your dinner plans before we started streaming. I mean, you know, maybe you're excited. I don't know. I mean, maybe, who knows? Whatever, um, whatever song you have in your heart. I think I think I just want to echo one thing Tom said, which is that as fans, it's really important that we understand how much of the, of out, of football outcomes are luck driven. And so, you know, we 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 repeatedly look at the at the at the product, not the process, right? And I think that it's important to analyze the process. And we cannot say that the process is broken because they haven't won because oftentimes winning has to do with luck. And so isolate the process from the result and, and look at it in terms of its consistency. And it's consistency not just in Dallas, but across the league. Mm, that's well said. Tom, good luck uh, following that. But, uh, but you're one thing if, if you choose to offer us one. I'll just go back to something I put out on Twitter a couple of days ago. I can still root for this team and and live and die with whether they win every Sunday or whatever night they happen to be playing on and still be mad as hell about how this team is run. Yeah, there's a, a very popular meme. I don't know if you've, either of you have seen it. It's like an old man uh, with an umbrella, like covering yeah. or something. And it's just like, just because I'm mad doesn't mean I don't care or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah and like, Nope. My one thing would be like, you know, there's look, I've been a little critical of the Cowboys, but I think there's a lot to be critical of. Uh, and so like my mentions are constantly filled with like, go root for another team. It's like, no, I love this team. I want them to succeed. That's why this stuff pisses me off so much because I'm just some dude, you know, who's got a computer and a webcam and a microphone like and these things are obvious to me. Um, so, um, so let's all get on the same page. Um, but, uh, Rabble, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. Everybody can follow him on Twitter, Rabble Rouser. Check out the Star Seminar on Fridays. Tom is on Twitter at TomRyleBTB. You can read him at blogandtheboys.com. Hear him on Thursdays on Riled Up. And everybody, once again, go to Amazon, wherever you get your books, and get the big book of college football trivia that Dave Halpern wrote. There's a link to it at blogandtheboys.com. Came out today. Leave a review. Uh, Dave founded Blog and the Boys. All this exists because of his vision, uh, and we love him, and so we want to support him however we can. Tom, the final words belong to you. Make them great or everybody will hate you. I am honored to have been here with one of the mentors that helped me get to where I am with blogging the boys. 